Are you ready to be transported back to 1800s high society London? Because season three of Bridgerton is now playing only on Netflix. This season follows the story of the Tons resident wallflower, Penelope Featherington, as she undergoes a journey of self-discovery and empowerment where we see her truly blossom. Penn's emotional transformation takes centre stage as her friendship with the charming Colin Bridgerton evolves into something more. For those not yet acquainted, Colin, the charming younger brother of the Bridgerton family, is about to turn Penelope's world upside down. Mm, This is the ultimate good friends to lovers story. From those initial butterflies to when both parties realise there might be something more between them, watch Bridgerton Season 3, now playing only on Netflix. Welcome to Shameless, the pop culture podcast for smart people who love dumb stuff. You are joined, as always, by Melbourne writers Michelle Andrews and Zara McDonald. There is absolutely zero Annabelle Lee today. I'm looking over at an empty chair and if she's listening to us, Annabelle, we love you, we miss you, we're sorry you have food poisoning. Yeah, look, it's Michelle Zara in the empty chair today. (laughs) Coming up on today's show, Olivia Rodrigo sends a big fuck you to the Supreme Court justices who undid Roe versus Wade. Hayley Bieber faces a lawsuit. Kendall Jenner's relationship status is about as confusing as the way she cuts cucumbers. Rupert Murdoch and is his fuckboy era. I think he might have always been there. And then we both come to the table with our two cents. I want to talk about decision fatigue and Michelle has some thoughts on the hot girls have IBS trend. But first, Michelle, how was your week? It was an interesting week. We just got back from Sydney at like, it was past midnight by the time I got home last night. Probably about 1. It was 1am when we got home and I thought it was a smart decision not to go straight to bed, but to sit up watching TikToks and eating me goreng and now I'm a little worse for wear. Yeah, because we record really early on Wednesday, so we haven't had a lot of sleep and as I was on my way here, I thought, God, this might be the most tired I've been recording and then I thought to myself, (laughs) how pathetic, is this just what being a parent? It's like, <laughs> are parents listening to this saying, yeah, four, five hours sleep? Yes. I also haven't told you this yet, but my alarm went off. I snoozed it and went back to sleep. And thank the Lord for Mitchell Rees. He turned to me at 7am and went, aren't you supposed to be like driving to work now or like up and ready? I looked at my phone and I had slept in the next for 40 minutes based on what I had. You. I know, but I'm here and I was on time and it was fine, but I was frantically doing my makeup in the car. I was a hot mess. You shouldn't have told me. I also this week on another tangent found out that I sneeze more than anyone else in my life. Yeah, it is. You are sort of having an existential crisis about it because (laughs) one of the girls in the office, Ruby, said to you recently. grinning at the moment she can see us through the studio. (laughs) She said to you, Mish, I think you sneeze more than anyone I know. And I turned around and I said, you do. <laughs> like, no shame. It's it's neither here nor there, but you actually sneeze probably once an hour. Well, you would think, given I'm me, you would think that I would kind of have tabs on how often I'm sneezing. Until Ruby turned to me and said that, it had never occurred to me that I have a sneezing issue. But now I'm realising... I sneeze way too much. Just wait for all of the people to get in contact with you on your DMs right now to diagnose you on your own behalf. I have a tumour or yeah, something in my say nasal something. cavity. They'll say something. <laughs> I also do want to send a hearty thank you to everybody who was patient with us <laughs> through our technical difficulties last Thursday. When we said we had a technical difficulty with our episode and it had disappeared from the feed. It was gone for about 45 minutes, yeah. It was, I would say, uh, not as much (laughs) a technical difficulty as it is an unnamed member of the team who we will not name on mic. If they want to claim it for themselves, go for it. They are welcome to, but it's not our job. Um, They just deleted the episode. (laughs) And it was quite funny because Michelle called some contacts we had at our hosting platform. I'm not going to get too technical on listeners. Please 
know. And Michelle called up and said, look, we've had a situation. We've just deleted the episode. <laughs> Literally clicked like on the three dots and then the red delete button. Delete. By accident. Delete it from everywhere. <laughs> and they turned around to you and said, this is not something we've ever had to deal with before. In like our 10 years of podcasting, we've never had someone do this. So that unnamed team member, we do love dearly. Oh, we love, we love the unnamed team member. <laughs> Perhaps, I mean, we have a team of seven. Perhaps we could get everybody to cast their guesses on who it might be. But again, if they're not behind the mic to defend themselves, we shall not throw them under the bus. Do you have a recommendation for me this week? I do, and it's pop culture themed, which I feel like I should always get like just an extra gong maybe for it to be on the theme of pop culture. I want to recommend Halftime on Netflix. There we go. Talk to me about it because I have heard some great things. Yeah, well, if you guys are not across, it's the documentary that follows J-Lo as she plans the halftime show, I believe for the 2020 Super Bowl, which is insane to think everything was so normal when this halftime show happened and then a few weeks later, everything descended into chaos. Was it early March? It was 2020, which blo- if you would ask me, I'd be like, 2018? Like maybe 2017 that this was happening? No. I'm, I'm like Googling to You're make sure. You're not even believing me. February 2, 2020. Yeah, so really just before the world descended into chaos. Yeah. Now, this doco, like with any celebrity documentary, I feel like you have to take things with a slight grain of salt. Yes. Remember Miss Americana, Taylor Swift's documentary? Ah, yes. It is going to be the most glowing, the most beneficial portrayal of that celebrity humanly possible, right? Celebrity documentaries are essentially a form of propaganda, right? Yeah, it's like (laughs) celeb propaganda. And this was J-Lo propaganda, and I do feel like when you watch things like this you need to prepare yourself for the obligatory 10 minutes that the celebrity spends talking about how they're now ready to get political and have a strong political message about empowering people so you have about 10 minutes of that where you're kind of going "Mm, is it really about that or is it more about making money and kind of just living your life and building your career as you see fit however I'd swallow it though oh I do swallow it I'm like you know what give me all the sugary messaging I will take it It was a great documentary. I really loved it. I think it's incredible to see behind the scenes, see how much work goes into, I think it was eight, seven or eight minutes up on stage. She is remarkable. Like what an, like almost an athlete, the way she trains for a performance, the way she prepares her body to go through the rigors of performing on stage. I just, I loved it. I really enjoyed the whole thing. Highly recommend Halftime on Netflix. She is such a powerhouse. I might try and watch that one tonight. What about you? I have two quick recommendations for you. There was a pretty solid Dakota Johnson profile in Vanity Fair and I thought you might like that because I feel like you do have a mild crush on Dakota Johnson at the moment. I love I I look at her and I think she is the ideal woman. I think for me Dakota Johnson's been a slow burn. Has it been one for you as well? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, and I think what I find very interesting about this profile is she talks incredibly candidly about Fifty Shades of Grey and about how she doesn't regret doing those movies, but those movies turned out to be something she didn't think they were going to be. Right. And she was like, you know E.L. James, the woman who wrote the books, she's pretty honest about the fact that E.L. James made it very hard making (gasps) those movies. Juicy, what happened? She said that she was running interference 24-7. It was like rewriting scripts. Oh, my God, I love that. And I find it so interesting when celebrities don't just tell candid stories but, like, name people and say this person made it. She was very, like, diplomatic about it. It wasn't like she was being mean but she was being quite honest. Right. And I feel like you don't read that. And it's also one of those things where – you still feel like reading it. She's being quite careful. Yeah. So it's like, what What else is here? Is Dakota Johnson still with her partner? What's Chris his name? Martin. Chris Martin. What do you mean <laughs> her partner? They are iconic. This is so dumb. I almost confused him with Daniel Johns from Silver Jam. No. <laughs> She's not with Daniel Johns. <laughs> Annabelle's left and the wheels have completely yeah. fallen off. I know. My second quick recommendation, because I do think you'll really like that raid. I love that. Um, I have been watching a show called Gaslit on Stan. Now, I do want to preface this by saying I know there were some ads that ran on our back catalogue about this television show. This is not sponsored. I just really like the show. It is, I know, stay with me. 
I'm I'm here. What are you Stay talking about? Me. Because it does follow the Watergate scandal. Oh, I'm gone. Yeah, <laughs> she's she <laughs> left the room, off the chair, and she's gone. I'm not here anymore. It is it is political. So if you kind of like your political <laughs> drama, like if you're an OG West Wing fan, like I am, it's one of my favorite shows of all time. Then you will like this. If you don't, take it or leave it. Needs a bit more Love Island to it for me to buy it. Yeah, look, <laughs> I didn't think you'd love it, but I'm not recommending it for you. I'm recommending it for the others. I love that so much. Let's get into the quick and dirty today. We have a jam-packed quick and dirty to begin things with Zara. Do I intro you or you intro me? Uh, you intro me, doll. Zara loves a bit of political drama. McDonald, what have you got for me? Not your best, but that's fine. I feel like we haven't been on our best game with those in a long, <laughs> for time. For a long time. Perhaps ever. My first story, Olivia Rodrigo dedicates Lily Allen's fuck you to the Supreme Court at Glastonbury. That is from The Hollywood Reporter. Now, after a two-year hiatus, Glastonbury made its much-anticipated return with some of the biggest stars in the world scheduled to perform, but it also did coincide with some pretty harrowing news out of the US, Michelle, that the Supreme Court had overturned Roe versus Wade. Yeah. Let's talk about the Roe v. Wade thing for a really quick second before we jump into the celebrity angle. When I heard that news on Saturday morning, I burst into tears and I could not stop reading, thinking about it, stressing about it all weekend, even this week. Yeah, for sure. And we are a long way from America, but I think when these kinds of things happen, you don't feel very far from it all, to be honest. And I think when it came to Glastonbury, it was very interesting because a lot of the biggest stars that were scheduled to perform were American. And this would have shaken a lot of them to their core. And it did because so many of them mentioned it. Obviously, the headline out of Glastonbury, the biggest headline, I think, was Olivia Rodrigo. If you did miss it, she was performing. And in the middle of her performance, she said, someone that I absolutely adore is here today. I think she is the most incredible songwriter, the most incredible artist, the most incredible person. And I am so lucky that she's going to be here singing with me today. Would you guys please give it up for Miss Lily Allen? Yeah, when Lily came up onto the stage, she then said this. Equally as heartbroken um, over what happened in America yesterday, um, the Supreme Court decided to overturn Roe v. Wade, um, which is a law that ensures a woman's right to a safe abortion and other basic human rights. I'm devastated and terrified, and so many women and so many girls are going to die because of this. And um, I wanted to dedicate this next song to the five members of the Supreme Court who have showed us that At the end of the day, they truly don't give a shit about freedom. Uh, This song goes out to the justices, Samuel Alito, Clarence Thomas, Neil Gorsuch, Amy Cullen Barrett, and Brett Kavanaugh. We hate you. I am obsessed with the fact these two women did this. Like, I am obsessed with them. It is another one of those things where Lily Allen, another slow burn for me. Oh, obsessed with Lily Allen. I love Lily Allen and she's never totally been on my radar, but I feel like the older I get and the older she gets, I feel like we're coming together. Mitch saw Lily Allen live years ago and maintains she is his favourite performance he's ever seen live. Shut up. Ollie says the same. (gasps) It is the one thing he won't stop talking about to the point where I crack jokes about it being like, how are you so in love with Lily Allen? Was it Splendour in the Grass? Mitch saw it Splendour in the Grass, I think, years ago and maintains best performance ever. Ollie went to, I think it might have been a Rod Laver and says she was incredible. And so anytime we're just sitting at home, he'll often just put Lily Allen on, which I find pretty random. I also find it pretty, sorry for the downturn in tone (laughs) again, but pretty disheartening that the the lyrics to this song yeah. fuck you are so like potent and necessary and related to what we're going through today despite the fact that this song was written so long ago well i get the sense that this song as we know because it was played at glastonbury for such a powerful reason is going to just continually become and more and more become a real political anthem for people when we are really angry about injustice about discrimination whatever it might be I really do think this song is going to become unfortunately more and more relevant as the years go on now it was a really powerful performance between these Mm. two women they were incredible together and as I said at the top of this segment 
Olivia Rodrigo was not the only artist at all during Glastonbury to make a statement and to make her anger about all of this known. Phoebe Bridges, I mean, she had to perform pretty soon after it was all announced. She just incited a fuck the Supreme Court chant <laughs> in, at her set, which is pretty good when you don't have much time. <laughs> Billie Eilish couldn't really speak about it much. She said, yeah. today is a really, really dark day for women in the US. I'm just going to say that because I can't bear to think about it any longer. She then dedicated her performance of Your Power, a song about older men exerting their power over young women to everyone affected by the ruling. Yeah, Megan The Stallion also called it out as well. So like my hat is off to those women for doing that because I know that celebrities can't fix everything. Like I know celebrities can only do what they can, but this felt like a very good example of how singers, songwriters, musicians can make their mark and can really contribute to a helpful cause. Yeah. And also how it's like, I'm sure completely impossible for them to ignore their own anger and their own pain when getting up to work. They were processing. It was all happening at the time they were performing. They would have been in shock, like all the other women and people experiencing this back at home. Yeah. My second, story. Hayley Bieber is being sued over a trademark infringement for her beauty brand, Rode. That is from Elle magazine. Now, a lot of people messaged us after our episode went live last week saying, why didn't you touch on her being sued? Because it hadn't come out by the time we'd recorded. Yeah. And it is a really interesting one. A lot of our listeners, a lot of people in general were quite pissed off about about this headline with Hayley Bieber. So essentially to sum it up, Hayley has been accused of stealing the name of a nine-year-old fashion brand that is also called Rode. Yeah, exactly. Now, Hayley's middle name is Rode. She is Hayley Rode Baldwin Bieber, just for the record. Now, the co-founders of Rode filed a lawsuit last week saying that they launched their brand in May 2013 and, and I quote, have dedicated ourselves to growing and nurturing the road brand through much personal sacrifices and hardship. Now, also, it should be known, I know you mentioned it before, but I really think it's essential that we remind people here that the road fashion label just does fashion. Yeah, and it is a really successful fashion label at that. It apparently generates about $14 million of revenue every year. The road fashion label has been worn by the likes of Beyonce and Rihanna. So they're doing really well in the space. And that fashion brand, its owners, Perna Catal and Phoebe Vickers, own the road trademark for several kinds of clothing and accessories. So according to people, they own the trademark in those fields. They've also filed to expand their trademarks to include additional categories such as home goods and are considering going into makeup and skincare in the future as well. The trademarking business is an incredibly confusing one for people who probably have never had anything to do with it and I will not purport to be an expert in this area at all. Like if you really want an expert opinion, call up a lawyer. But (laughs) we will say for people who run a business who have to trademark things pretty frequently. Well, we own trademarks. Yeah. Yeah. Every podcast we do, we have to trademark it. Any sort of slogan we really want to kind of make our own, we trademark. And the important thing to remember is trademarks are categorized. So for instance, you are allowed to have multiple businesses that have the same name when they aren't in competition with each other. Yeah. Which is why we were allowed to, I know this is not the best example because shameless the tv show is us based but you could sort of argue well we work in podcasting there in tv how can you have the same name those things definitely happen across the board because you you tend to trademark within your own field and some people try to make that that trademark as broad as possible but i imagine because rode the fashion label hadn't actually trademarked the makeup and skincare category earlier it was sort of well within Hailey bieber's rights to do so yeah and they're arguing that by Hailey bieber calling her skincare line road that she's going to confuse their customers of their fashion label they said in their statement her using our name is hurting our company our employees our customers and our partners we're both part of a larger beauty market in which fashion and cosmetics closely overlap and often collide collaborate. Hayley has stated that she wants to pursue a clothing line and she even applied for Road as a trademark for clothing. We welcome competition. We just don't want competitors using our name. They noted that four years ago, Hayley Bieber reached out to them and wanted to buy the rights to the name across fashion and accessories, but they declined her offer. And I think a lot of people have heard that detail, the detail she reached out four years ago about a fashion brand. And they've gone, oh, well, she's just stolen the name from them, right? Like she has 
no right to launch a skincare line. She tried to buy this name off them. They said no. She's done the wrong thing. I understand it's like a messier detail. It adds a layer to all of this that we need to consider. But I do think that is ignoring the details of this particular story that she didn't launch a fashion line. She hasn't gone down that route. She has actually applied for the trademark. She applied for the trademark in the category of beauty and wellness products in December 2020. From where I stand, I can't see what she's actually done wrong in this case. Yeah. And this is the thing I said on our Your Say Friday, like I'm not alarmed by this yet. I will happily put my hand up and say, if more details come to light, sure, I can change my opinion. But what I am so far reading, I am mildly confused about. There is every chance that Hayley Bieber, and I also need to be self-aware that I made the joke that Hayley's in my past basket yeah, we last week. <laughs> <laughs> but I do, I do promise this is not past basket S. This is me just trying to read this situation for what it is. I, I wouldn't be surprised as well if two things have happened with her trying to buy the fashion and accessory trademark. If A, she was trying to go into fashion and therefore wanted to buy the trademark for that. Mm. And I do want to put on the record just quickly as well. If she does intend to go into fashion later then yes this becomes a muddier issue I hope that goes without saying or B was just trying to be as conservative as possible to avoid something like this happening to say I will buy all the trademarks so people don't come for me yeah I am just very interested in this idea that can like are there punchy branding names these days where you're not going to overlap with something. Well, That's what I really do want to know. I, and I would love to put to anyone because we did have listeners come to us who were very upset with Hayley, were very grumpy about this. There almost isn't a word anymore that you could name your business that doesn't already exist out there. The fact that road with a H after the R has already been trademarked in some categories should show people it's very difficult to come up with a business name that no one else has ever touched before. And on top of this, just as a stat that you told me this week, Zara, which I think is fascinating, in 2020 in Australia alone, 240,000 businesses were launched. So think about how many different names people are going to be using and then apply that to America with a much larger population as well. Bottom line is though, I am surprised more media outlets haven't been uh, clear. Clear. I would say more balanced even yeah. in their reporting. A lot of media outlets are reporting on the statement from the owners of the Road Fashion brand. Which is worth reporting on. It's worth reporting on, but they could also just look up the database. There is a database in the US that shows all the patents and trademarks across the country. It's very easy to look up, very easy to kind of report on that. No one seems to have done that, which I know it's a clickier article I to know. say Hayley Bieber stole a name and maybe a court case will come out of this. Maybe more will unfurl. I'm just surprised by the reporting. Yeah, I totally agree with that. And as I said from the top, I did joke that she was in my past basket <laughs> last week. So I have to be really careful here. And if more info did come to light, I could change my opinion. But for now, I am pretty surprised by the outrage about it all. Same. My third story, Kendall Jenner and Devin Booker spotted out together following reported split. That is from Pop Sugar and what a confusing one. Yeah, I feel like we need to report on multiple twists and turns in the lives of Kendall Jenner and Devin Booker over the last week because late last week it was revealed that perhaps the most private of all the Kardashian relationships had ended. Apparently, Kendall Jenner and her professional basketballer boyfriend decided to split. Now, a bit of a timeline. This was two years into their relationship. They became official in June 2020. They've always really kept their relationship out of the public eye. Their most high-profile moment as a couple was at Kourtney Kardashian's wedding last month. So it was weird to see them kind of have this big debut as a couple two years into dating be photographed everywhere at that wedding. And then very shortly after, a few weeks after, say, actually, we're splitting. Yeah, 100%. And we knew they were splitting because sources close to Kendall reportedly spoke to E! News and said, Kendall and Devin hit a rough patch recently and have been split for about a week and a half. Once they got back from Courtney's wedding, they started to feel like they weren't aligned and realised they have very different lifestyles. Different lifestyles is interesting. Very, is one a partier? Is one not? Well, one's a professional athlete. Yeah. So I'm, not that that stopped male professional no. athletes in the past. <laughs> I was going to say hello, Tristan Thompson. No, I am intrigued by that. And I know people might say, well, it's an anonymous quote. So 
why we're giving it any credence, but I do think an anonymous quote speaking to, I don't think E! News are going for that given they were in the Kardashians' pocket for so many years Mm. without knowing for sure that it was over. Yeah, they're really well connected as well. They know so many people around the Kardashians, so they would have access to so many different sources. Now, after this news broke, weirdly, Australian basketball player Andrew Bogut entered the chat and decided he needed to weigh in on Kendall Jenner's love life. He tweeted out to his 400,000 Twitter followers, with the 2022 NBA draft completion yesterday, one big name has yet to find a home. Which team will snap up Kendall Jenner? Solid talent, versatile, question marks around team culture and habit of endless self-promotion. Doctors will need to do a medical as body has been banged up. He then later described Kendall in a subsequent tweet as an elite rebounder. I mean, I know exactly what Andrew Bogut is trying to do there and it's like elicit a reaction from people and that's exactly what he's done with me. But I barely want to give him the airtime here because I just fucking hate that. It's just, it's, and it's it's so, bad. so many of his tweets are incredibly questionable. So, I mean, we couldn't ignore that because that, that quote has been everywhere and people have been reporting that story, but fuck that tweet. Disgusting. Yeah, now everyone was then sort of... I don't know, foaming at the mouth because <laughs> Kendall uploaded like this Instagram post after all of these headlines that people were like, that's a thirst trap. She was basically naked. No, right? she was naked. Yeah. She was yeah. fully, I love that you're like, basically, <laughs> no, she was naked, naked to the point where we needed like a little black, I love when we get like a little black bar over her nipple on yeah, Instagram. Yeah, yeah. She was lying down on like a sun lounger, completely naked and people were saying, this is the way to come back from a breakup. We love this from her. But then on Tuesday, reports come out that Kendall and Devin were photographed together looking very much like a couple at Soho House in Malibu. So they're either back on or they are like the quickest exes to ever become friends post-breakup in the history of exes. Definitely the former. I think they're back together. I also think these pap photos were probably set up, right? Yeah. They look quite... Intimate and like happy. They look happy. It's not like they're making out or anything, but they do look really friendly together and like they're having a laugh. They're like laughing and beaming at each other. I agree. I I think perhaps Kendall and Devin took a break, took a couple of weeks off, a sneaky little friend ran to the tabloids and she would have been really pissed off about that, I'm guessing. But then they've figured it out and now they're like, oh, fuck, everyone thinks we've split. It's so one of those things where, though, where I feel like if you break up with a partner, you need to wait at least a month before telling anyone. So this doesn't happen (laughs) because everybody just ends up back together. Why am I so happy about this, though? I do like them together and I'm not sure what, I don't know why. I get good vibes from Devin Booker. Me too. I love him and I have no reference point for why that is. Is it um, kind eyes? He has the kind of face. That I just trust. Yeah, but it's, I think it's the eyes. He has kind eyes. Kind eyes. And I love that for her. Maybe he can teach her how to cut cucumbers. Yeah, perhaps. <laughs> Coming up after the break, Rupert Murdoch enters his fuckboy era and then we both come to the table with our two cents. But first, a word from today's sponsor. My fourth story, and before I read this headline, I do want to give a bit of a trigger warning because this story does touch on suicide and maybe triggering it for some listeners. Some of the details are quite graphic too, so if you need help, call Lifeline on 13 11 14. If you do want to skip ahead, jump two minutes and we will be done with the conversation. Machine Gun Kelly details sobering paranoia-induced suicide attempt in new documentary. That is from Rolling Stone. Yeah, so rapper Machine Gun Kelly, we'll also call him MGK, has a new documentary. It's streaming on Hulu. It launched this week. It's called Life in Pink. And it touches on some really dark stuff. Naturally, lots of media publications have been writing about the scene that everyone was stunned by, shocked by, which is where Machine Gun Kelly reveals that he actually had a suicide attempt in July of 2020. Yeah, according to MGK, while he was in a state of distress following the death of his father, he actually put a gun in his mouth while on the phone to fiance Megan Fox, who was in Bulgaria shooting a film at the time. Yeah, here's one of the quotes from the documentary. I wouldn't leave my room. I started getting really, really, really dark. I started getting this really wild paranoia. Like I kept getting paranoid that someone was going to come and kill me. I called Megan and I was like, you aren't here for me. I'm in my room and I'm like freaking out on her. 
dude, I put the shotgun in my mouth and I'm yelling on the phone and like the barrels in my mouth. And I go to cock the shotgun and the bullet as it comes back up, the shell just gets jammed. Megan's like dead silent. That was kind of where I started realizing like something's not right. First of all, I'm, I was blown away that these were quotes in the documentary. I mean, good on him for telling his story. I hope it helps a lot of people. It's just incredibly confronting, isn't it? Yeah, it's, it's really harrowing. Apparently at this time in his life, MGK was battling some pretty serious substance abuse and the experience, he says, forced him to kick the drugs. I mean, a really, really awful experience for him, but also deeply traumatic for Megan Fox, who would have felt incredibly far away when it was all happening. Oh, the thought of being on the phone yeah. when that unfurls is yeah incomprehensible so hopefully I mean he's saying he's doing a lot better now so thank god yeah my fifth story Abby Chatfield lands her own show as part of Channel 10's pilot showcase that is from news.com now it is Channel 10 pilot season which it's always confused me a little I've actually always had a soft spot for it have you ever watched one yeah <laughs> like uh, what? Yeah. <laughs> no, you I have. You liar. I have. Anyway. Name one show. Um, well, <laughs> I can't. I'm so tired. <laughs> I was up all night with the baby. I'm so sleep deprived. <laughs> now, if you don't know what pilot season is, it's essentially when they throw a bunch of ideas and pilots to the public to see how we react. Roxy Jacenko's show. And oh. inform, and that basically informs <laughs> what shows they actually greenlight for the following year. So they get a whole bunch of people's ideas. They release one episode and then basically based on ratings and our engagement, they decide which shows are going to go ahead. Yeah. Now, Abby Chatfield was one of the public figures who announced that she has her own show during pilot week. It's going to be called Abby Chats. An official synopsis of the show on 10 Play reads, Abby Chatfield is on a mission to explore, understand and reveal world not commonly seen or heard from on television. Abby dives into two opposite ends of the subject, bringing her signature unapologetic brand of curiosity, passion and authenticity along and asking all the questions the audience would never dare to. I know I'm probably very easily pleased, but I'm I'm quite happy with the name Abby Chats. Abby Chats. <laughs> pretty good. I don't know who came up with it. But good on you. I wonder if that's actually been sitting in Abby's mind for like years, yeah. knowing with Chatfield and her very good ability to be able to speak. It would be the perfect talk show name. Now, it has been a mammoth <laughs> few months for Abby. I would say Abby if you're listening, but I don't think she has time to do anything else but Does work. Does she have time to like shower at this point? So in the last six months alone, the former Bachelor contestant has landed her own radio show called Hot Nights with Abby Chatfield on the Hit Network. Which on is every night? Five nights a week. Yeah. She was announced as a judge on the upcoming season of The Masked Singer. She embarked on a national live show tour. She's still doing her podcast it's a lot and now she's doing abby chats abby i feel nervous for you and we haven't even she's just launched a fashion line oh yeah the fashion she's got a fashion label as well now every week abby chatfield has like launched a whole new career path for herself and i'm sitting here going how and also we're sitting here saying oh we flew so late (laughs) last night we're so tired we are pathetic now there are some other really interesting shows in the lineup for pilot week one of them is called courtney's closet which is hosted by courtney act apparently courtney's closet i quite like this premise mish Mm. is a and i quote celebrity interview show with a twist each episode will see courtney transform her guest into a drag persona befitting of their personal journey while teasing out their life story in an intimate interview culminating in a stunning reveal. I know why you like that. Ando's, Ando's brush with fame it vibes. It has Ando's brush with fame all over it. But like drag, which is amazing. It's a great idea. I also love another yes. show that's airing during Pilot Week. It's going to be called Dinner Guest and I'm going to read out the synopsis. Join Narelda Jacobs, Melissa Leong, Susan Carland and their guests in a no-holds-barred discussion about the biggest topics of today. Presented around a dinner table, this unconventional panel interview show highlights the value of sharing lived experiences and applying compassion in the face of diverse perspectives and voices. So is this like a dinner party where yeah, it's it also like, a, it. a, like an interview. Yeah. Like the, the view, but dinner. Yes. These shows sound great. I am, I'm excited about them all. 
I will definitely be watching Dinner Guest. I think I'm going to be watching them all. Can we, Channel 10, if you're listening. <laughs> Can you send them to us? We like them all. <laughs> and my sixth and final story. Rupert Murdoch apparently dumped his wife via text, proving that fuckboyism has no age limit. That is from Pedestrian. Yeah, in case you missed it, super quick one, guys, but we couldn't <laughs> not include this. 91-year-old media tycoon Rupert Murdoch has ended his fourth marriage. He married former supermodel Jerry Hall in 2016. She is 25 or 26 years his junior. She was previously married and has four kids to Mick Jagger. Perhaps my favourite detail about Rupert Murdoch and Jerry Hall's marriage was that when they got married in 2016, he tweeted out his last ever tweet. He hasn't tweeted (laughs) since this. He tweeted, no more tweets for 10 days or ever. Feel like the luckiest and happiest man in the world. I don't mean to be mean to Rupert Murdoch, but he certainly never seemed like a guy that would use an exclamation point. He never seems like a guy who'd be happy. (laughs) (laughs) Lucky and happy. Anyway, fortunately for Mr Murdoch, he's not lucky or happy anymore because they've split. Sources close to the couple say it was entirely Rupert's decision to end the marriage. Those same sources have said that he did the dumping and I quote, electronically which is a stupidly boomer term i mean he's 91 he's like so far from being a boomer at the same time i'm shocked that a 91 year old beyond a boomer isn't he i don't i don't know what a 91 year old is we should know because the census has just come out and got all the generations (laughs) i don't know what he is i mean i'm not surprised by that i because I love Succession and the oh my god any chance to get that television show in here and the characters of Succession well they the the idea is that Succession is based off the Murdochs allegedly well yeah but it's definitely based off the Murdochs and those characters would definitely just get their PAs or their team to to divorce their partner for sure via text message yeah or phone call or just have people talk to people for sure imagine having your marriage ended by text I reckon these two probably haven't even been seeing each other for the last year I would not be surprised when you're this wealthy and this like I don't know Murdochy do you even live with your wife like he probably hasn't seen Jerry Hall since 2016. I don't know. <laughs> probably after those 10 days of honeymoon and done. <laughs> hey, that is all I've got for you. Thank you so much. All right, guys, it's officially time for. And that's my two cents. <laughs> Hello, Kent Brockman. Ken or Kent? That is the question. That's going to be the worst sound effect we use on this show, but I don't <laughs> care. If you guys find a better one by searching my two cents and make it pop culture I'm sure you won't find anything better. Well, everyone constantly has issues with our sound effects. If you want to suggest some to us, by all means, but don't just complain <laughs> without giving us a solution. Yeah, it's like, do not bring us a problem without a solution. <laughs> I refuse to accept that. Also, I don't give a shit if our sound effects are chuggy. I think chuggy is part of the brand. Now, we randomly both have some two cents this week, which is funny because neither of us have felt opinionated in months. <laughs> Shall I begin? Oh, please. So, Okay, so you're going to deliver me your your two cents and then I will give you my thoughts? Is that how we do this? I think so. I mean, it's our show and we've created this (laughs) segment, but I feel like we've already forgotten how to do it. My two cents of the week is I am sick of making decisions. I feel like I'm experiencing decision fatigue, but I also feel like the more women I talk to at this point in the year, the more people are experiencing it. Okay. Was there something that forced you to kind of reckon with this? Was there a moment where you snapped and went, I can't make another decision? Because you make you make a lot of decisions in this business. You're it's, like the general manager of Shameless Media. It's, it is really interesting. I feel like I've been feeling this for a while, right? I, I didn't realise it was a thing though. I didn't realise – it felt such a stupid thing to be like, I'm tired of making decisions. Like I'm tired of constantly deciding what I want. Like I would get home from a long day of making decisions, get home and be like, I don't know what I want for dinner and I flatly refuse to decide. I don't know yeah. what I want to watch for TV – I flatly refuse to decide. And it's like I get to this point where I hit a total brick wall of being like, I cannot decide anything else. I just need someone to do it for me. And then I saw a tweet and I wish I could remember where I found it. I've been trying that basically described this sensation as drum roll, decision (laughs) fatigue. And I was like, oh yeah, that makes sense. That makes total sense. And I felt perhaps I wasn't going nuts, but in Instead, I'd probably just hit this very specific type of evening burnout. And the more I thought about it and the more I spoke to people about it, everyone's like, I definitely experienced that too. I had a moment this week. It's so funny that you are feeling like this because you would make more decisions every day than I would. Like I'm there to help you with yeah. decisions, but a lot of the like how the business operates, you tiny call the decisions. shots on. Yeah, exactly. But I had a bit of this as well where I sat down with Mitch to watch something 
And I was like, you can pick. Like I always pick what we watch. I always pick what we're ordering for dinner. I'd picked the thing on Uber Eats and I was like, okay, your turn to pick Netflix. And he kind of sat there with the remote and was like, I don't know, you just pick. And something in me just like... It snapped. It wasn't an argument, but yeah. I was like, just pick a show. <laughs> pick a show. And if we don't like it, we'll decide we don't like it. Like whenever I pick a show and we decide 10 minutes and it's not for us, don't put this on me again to make what is a tiny decision but feels very big right now. Well, it's like death by a thousand cuts. Like the decisions I might be making day to day at work might be really tiny inconsequential ones, but I feel mm. like they really, really add up. And it feels the more I think about it very much like a subcategory of the mental load. Like, yeah. and I think that's why women probably feel it so much is they feel responsible for a lot all the time. And I feel like their minds are always full with remembering things on behalf of other people. And I think that also comes back to actually making decisions on behalf of other people and actually like calling the shots to get things moving yeah. because I don't think you can get things moving without <laughs> decisions right and I found it really interesting so I started doing a bunch of like reading about it and I found this piece in Forbes from 2019 where the writer Maria Gam said even being polite to someone is a decision and I said this to you the other day I was like I also wonder if this makes us tired and I know I am generalizing as women at work but I do feel like there's something to it where I feel like that's also a tiring aspect to this because when we are in negotiations or in meetings with people mm. or you might be disappointed in people in a business sense and trying to really communicate your point, you're constantly self-censoring to make sure that the way you're presenting that is, is palatable. And yes. Yeah. I wonder, I think I agree with you. I think women are more likely to do this where they're overly polite to the point where it drains themselves. But I wonder if predominantly it's a people pleaser tendency. Like if a, if men who are people pleasers feel this as well. I think more women are people pleasers perhaps. Do you think decision fatigue or the one about being polite? Being polite. Yeah, Feeling right. drained by the constant decision to be polite would be across both genders. But I think it is more prevalent in those who are – because we're big people pleasers. So I, I constantly feel like when we're having interactions, my key concern is not what do I take away from this. My key concern with every interaction I have is does this person think I'm warm and friendly? But I don't know as much if I'm as much of a people pleaser anymore. For example, if we're in like a meeting with someone and I'm really trying to like – we're trying to negotiate, you know, everyone's on yeah. different sides of something – I'm not trying to be polite because I want them to really like me. Right. I definitely don't want them to think I'm a cow, <laughs> but I think I want to be polite because I don't think women can get away with not being polite yeah, okay. and I don't think we're going to quote unquote win or get what we want if I go in too hard because the bar's so much higher for us. Yeah. Do you so think I, that's fair? I think that's fair. So at the moment you're looking at all these little decisions you need to make across a day, across a week, across a month. And on top of that, you're going, and as I make these decisions, which can be very difficult in business, can be very confrontational, another layer on that is I need to do it so sickly sweet that no yeah. one could come at me and say, oh, she's a bit of a difficult woman. Yes, I think it's that. And then I remembered, remember when um, Steve Jobs used to say that he would just wear the same thing every single yes. day to cut down on decisions. And I just like never understood that. I was like, it's not that hard to choose what you want to wear. He had these like turtleneck uniform. Yeah. And then Barack Obama did the same thing. And Barack Obama told Vanity Fair in 2012, you see, I only wear grey or blue suits. I'm trying to pare down decisions. I don't want to make decisions about what I'm eating or what I'm wearing because I have too many other decisions to make. Now, I do want to put on the record that Barack Obama has a pretty different <laughs> or had a pretty different job to me. But it is really interesting. Like, I'm wondering if there's a way as women, like, if people are fatigued by this, particularly at this point in the year, there are ways, the decisions we can make to not make decisions. Does that make sense? Well, yeah, like, what parts of your life can you automate? Yes. To make that seamless. And I'm sorry, fashion is not one for you because no. you love your clothes. That's the thing. I find joy in it and it might not be that. And I don't think it's food either. You also I, fucking love food. Yeah. So I'm just going to try and work out what I can automate. Maybe you can automate conversation with people. Just go in with the script and be like, <laughs> we're following my script today so that's my two cents and I would love to know if there are people listening to this who feel the same because just anecdotally from the conversations we've been having yeah I don't think I'm the only one before we move on from yours I have one question yes what is the path forward for you when you're someone who has decision fatigue but you also love control yes I think but I think a lot of people are like that I do think it is this ultimate double-edged sword because I like control and I feel like, again, generally women like control because they've been taught that they kind of have to because if they're not in control, nothing gets done. It's mm. like one of those kinds of things. I totally agree with that, but sometimes it's like I don't really want to be in charge of like 
the dumb stuff. You know, you yeah. go out for dinner and someone's like, what are we ordering? And then hands you the menu. That's me. <laughs> no, no, I did no. that to you twice no, in the last week. <laughs> it's so fine. It's so fine. But you know what I mean? Like sometimes in those smaller scale things, there are times I really actually don't want control. I am happy for the whole scenario to go tits up <laughs> if I'm not the one in charge. Well, my promise to you, the next time we go out to dinner, I will order for the group. Yeah, go for it. She's <laughs> stressing. I'm more stressing. All right, that's my two cents. What is yours? Okay, my two cents. I wonder, and this is a question to the community, do we need to reassess the way we have been considering the hot girls have IBS trend mm. slash movement? Now, if you have not heard about this, hot girls have IBS is all over my TikTok feed. It's all over my news feed. It's everywhere right now. And it has been for about six months. So it's essentially a group of young women predominantly online who are talking a lot about their IBS symptoms or what they deem to be IBS, whether that be bloating, cramping, diarrhea. Now, some of the TikTok videos that have come up in my feed include the captions like, they say IBS is for cuties only and hot girls with IBS have to stick together. This month, Body and Soul published an article called What is Hot Girl IBS and Why is it Suddenly So Trendy? It's all over my TikTok. Yeah. And I do have to say, on the one hand, it's amazing because I don't, I can't remember a time where women have been so open about their bodies and the stuff that goes on for so many because mm. I think for so long, particularly people with any form of chronic pain or whatever it might be, symptoms around that are not pretty and you have really no avenue to talk about that or to explain to people how 50% of the things that you're experiencing just aren't palatable to most human conversations. So it is definitely the first time in a great way that I've seen women be able to talk about this and take power in talking about this. Yeah, well, it's also this idea that if you're having digestive problems or if you're having, I don't know, toilet issues, that's unladylike and yeah. you have no place to do that online or it's something that people will kind of sneer at if you do that online so like power to the people who have spoken about this but I do think the trend at large is something we need to analyze and my thinking on this was really sparked by a great story that I read in Drift magazine this month it was written by Natasha Boyd and she essentially posited an argument to say is making IBS trendy lending itself to eating disorder culture and I think this is something that's always been of interest to me because social media contributed to my eating disorder behavior when I was about 18, 19. Mm. Like this was the time, I hate to sound like I'm a dinosaur on this podcast, <laughs> but this was at a time maybe like 2012 to 2014 when social media wasn't so much about hot girls have IBS. It was hot girls are vegan. Hot girls eat plant-based. Yes. They eat raw vegan or raw plant-based. Clean eating was the thing. And it was all about as well flat tummy teas and taking laxatives to rid your body of toxins. And that, to be personal for a second, really profoundly affected my relationship with food. I really struggled with this for years, which I've spoken about on this podcast before. So I think maybe I'm more sensitive to this stuff because yeah, I've sure. gone through it and because I know how much it affected me at the time. I think the tricky thing with IBS is that it is kind of a catch-all term for gastrointestinal problems, right? Like it is an umbrella term. There is no blood test, no scan you can do to get diagnosed with IBS. That said, it is the most commonly diagnosed gastrointestinal illness in young women because it's kind of that catch-all phrase that you can go, I've got all these symptoms and a doctor will go, well, that largely fits the brief yeah. for what is already a largely pretty amorphous condition that specialists and doctors still can't really pin down. And I think perhaps by design of that, when we have women online going, gluten and dairy make me cramp, they make me feel sick. We've gone down the line of going, okay, well, gluten and dairy are related to these negative health effects. Hot girls have IBS. We've linked IBS to a certain physical appearance. We've linked it to being cute, being hot, being young, being a woman. And I think that is all very, very interesting to me. I think as much as hot girls have IBS could destigmatize parts of this, and I want to make room for that because I don't deny some people have had this destigmatized, which has been really empowering. On the other hand, is it a really great way or a really simple, easy way for young women to go, well, I can't eat gluten and dairy, not because of diet reasons, but because of health reasons. And therefore I will cut out 
entire food groups that just happen to be calorie dense at the same time. It's one of those things where I immediately raise an eyebrow the minute a conversation spirals too much into food and young women particularly are giving advice on what works for them and that cutting out of certain food groups because the conversation just fixates so much on food that it really does it does give rise to that sense that it's like, well, I simply cannot put certain things on my body. Mm. And when you start with that mindset, where does it go? Particularly for young, impressionable young women. This is all over my TikTok. It's not on my Instagram. It's all over my TikTok. Mm. And I think that's a really important point because I do feel like the TikTok demo is is much younger. Yeah. I want to read out as well a great passage from Natasha Boyd in this piece. The cultural rise of IBS also makes sense in the context of wellness and body positivity. It is no longer kosher to insist that nothing tastes as good as skinny feels. Women are supposed to love themselves too much for that. Instead, they have to declare that they shit their pants if they eat gluten or dairy. So the abstention from those foods is seen as an act of self-care and not disordered eating. Instead of choosing not to eat, people with IBS just can't. I just think that nails it for me and I would just be really curious to know... If women are watching this trend online, if they're saying, oh, well, I must have IBS, I'm having these reactions to certain foods, please actually go and see a doctor. I think TikTok has also given rise to this culture where people self-diagnose. Everyone's an expert. Everyone's an expert. Everyone has watched TikTok videos on this thing. They've seen the symptoms. They've seen how it manifests in other people, whether that be a mental health condition or a physical ailment like IBS. And they go, oh, well, that's me. I have that. And if you have access in Australia, obviously we do have really good access to healthcare free of charge. Please go and seek that. I would just be really, I don't know, I'm nervous about young women falling into the same trap I did with this. And looking at it, I feel the exact same way as I did when I was 18 years old. Yeah, I think that's a really, really... A really important point. And again, like this piece is amazing because I don't think anyone else was talking about this. I don't think anyone had analysed this trend beyond a really surface level nod to how great is this without saying how great is this, but also here are perhaps the problems with it too. And also we repeat the same patterns. We do. I really feel like. We just just repackage and resell. Yeah, it's repackaged. And this is a one, IBS treatments now and IBS, like businesses going into IBS is a $1 billion industry. There's also money to be made here. There's a whole bunch of brands who are launching like powders and vitamins and whatever to deal with your IBS that aren't really based in medicine. They're just based in the kind of wellness space. So I don't know. It's kind of disheartening to see every decade there's some new thing that is essentially the same thing the generation before went through. I'm really curious to hear what people think about this. Have you raised an eyebrow at the hot girls have IBS trend? And if you have, please come to me and talk to me about it because I have so much to discuss. Yeah, I can't wait to hear what they think. But I think for now, that is all we have time for. As always, guys, if you want to support the show, just click follow on Spotify or Apple or wherever you listen to your podcast. That helps other people find our show. Yeah, we'd also actually love you. A bit of a different shout out this week. We'd love for you to fill out a survey that we are currently doing. Every year, middle of the year, we do the same thing. We send out a survey to our listeners and we get your intel we find out more about who you are first of all but also more about what shameless media content you're enjoying how you listen where you listen and essentially that helps us make content that is better for you more tailored to you we also have a question what's the next podcast you want to see us create we would love your feedback on that so if you have a spare couple of minutes it should only take a couple of minutes please head to our show notes or head to our instagram stories There will be a link for you to participate in this survey so we can find more out about you. Yeah, 100%. We use this as such an important guide for us to make decisions about what we're putting out into the world and how we're engaging with you. So we would so appreciate it, as Mish said, if you have a couple of minutes. It's quite a fun survey. I've filled it out myself, (laughs) even though that skews the data. Guys, we will be back in your ears on Monday for another episode of Scandal. Yeah, thank you so, so much. See you then. Bye. Shameless Media. This podcast was recorded on Wurundjeri land. Always was, always will be Aboriginal land.